Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the last day of August as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon, heading into Labor Day weekend, which means that Media Day is right around the corner. Lots of nuggets happening around the NBA, like R.J. Barrett's four-year $120 million extension. How does that make Donovan Mitchell trade talks any different? There's a poison pill in there now, so things have to be a little, little different for that deal to work. Also got the WNBA playoffs going in full swing. Great, great game ones on Sunday between the sky and the sun and, of course, the aces in the storm. Chicago's hosting Connecticut tonight. Las Vegas doing the same with Seattle. Both of those games, obviously, one to nothing in favor of the sun and one to nothing in favor of the storm. So home team's going to need to make some ground up there. Also got a bit of news Today, Denver Nuggets finalizing a deal to hire Andre Miller as their new G League head coach, Grand Rapids Gold. That's straight from Adrian Wojnarowski just about half hour ago. We also had some good news on Montrez Harrell's front. His felony charges of a marijuana trafficking were reduced to a misdemeanor. So that will be expunged from his record after a year if Harrell can stay out of legal trouble. But that's good for him because he's one of, you know, a handful of free agents that's remaining Uh, in the pool here. And of course, you know, something that we missed right after we got done recording and when I was on vacation in North Carolina, Patrick Beverly is a Los Angeles Laker. And who's still on that roster? We know who he is. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more here on Keep It at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, another episode brought to you by the basketballnews.com podcast network. Much like Montrez Harrell, I am hoping that your record will be a sponged after this past weekend. <laughs> uh, there were some things. There were some things, Brian. Oh, it was a good time. Uh, I was rocking a handlebar mustache. Went out to <laughs> some, some exclusive, beautiful club. I went to a rooftop bar. Uh, it was great there. But then we also took a pontoon out on Lake Norman. Great time. Swimming around. Great times. Good people. Had the drinking games going. It was a fun time. Now, Please I will tell say, me there's pictures of you with the handlebar mustache. Oh, there are plenty about. There oh. are plenty about. I, I will send you them in private. I At don't any want point, did you put up fists and say, let's duke it out? Dude, no, I was triple fisting a Bud Light in one of them. And it was it, it, it was it was it was great. Um, you will have to see these. And uh, if our audience wants to see them too bad, because. Unless you're a close personal friend of mine, you are not seeing this. It looks like I should have been on Wild Hogs. But uh, it was a really, really good time out there celebrating my boy Matt. He's getting married here in a few weeks. That was a bachelor party for him. So good time overall. But we're back. We're back in the swing of things here on Keeping It 94. Back in the swing of things on BasketballNews.com. In fact, just interviewed Malcolm Brogdon yesterday in an exclusive uh, talking about Basketball Without Borders Africa and, of course, um, his Clean Water Initiative with the Brogdon Family Foundation. So you can find that at basketballnews.com right now. Uh, we also talked, obviously, about the Celtics, his fit with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, what he thinks about Ime Odoka. Really good stuff out of him. Uh, had a good time catching up with him. So that was literally just a day after I got back from my seven-and-a-half-hour road trip from, from Carolina back here in Northeast Ohio, where it is equally as hot, by the way, but... Um, it's, it's good to be back in the big chair going into Labor Day weekend, obviously have some big, big, big game going on there in Columbus 
on Saturday evening that we'll um, I'll get to at the end of the show because college football is back too. But we're here to talk about basketball, so let's talk about basketball, Brian. Where do you want to start? Because it's uh, there's slim pickings, but there are some important things still going on and possibly some important things that are going to happen before camp begins. Sure, sure. Let's start with RJ because RJ was just that news came out on Tuesday. And I think that's the most significant piece of news that we've gotten here um, in the bat and, you know, in the last week or so. So let's touch on RJ Barrett four years, $120 million extension. First off, good for RJ. Happy for RJ that he was able to cash in on this. He is absolutely a, a cornerstone piece of this organization. I know that the Donovan Mitchell trade talks are enticing, if you will, but uh, they, I, I have a very, very strong opinion on all of this. So um, if you want to just react to that extension first, and then then I'll come through here and what I think about this particular deal and how it affects the the Mitchell talks. Well, I think a lot of people on the surface look at this and go, wow, he got $30 million a year. He got a four-year, $120 million deal. But here's what I would say about that, though, because like you said, he is a cornerstone for the Knicks. He is an important part of what they are doing. He still did not get a full max. Remember, he didn't get a five-year. He didn't get a full max, but he got close to it. And if you look at what the salary cap is right now and what it's going to be in a couple years – this could actually be an extremely good deal for the Knicks if he continues to progress as a player. Because remember, in a couple of years, the NBA salary cap is going to go bonkers again because they're going to negotiate the new television deal. So, you know, the first two years of that deal, yeah, they're going to be a little bit higher being at $30 million with where the cap is right now, which is like one thirty-three. But you fast forward to a couple of years and what that TV contract is going to be, not only with, uh, we expect them to stay with their partners, with Turner and with uh, ABC ESPN. But I mean, we could be living in a world where the salary cap in a few years in the NBA is around $200 million. And you're getting a very good value on him at that point, if that's in fact what happens. So good for him. Good for the Knicks locking him up. The one thing that I would say about this whole situation is, too, it's too bad that more people aren't celebrating him getting this contract because instead people are talking about, well, what does this mean for Donovan Mitchell? I mean, that, that's more the conversation that's coming out of it, and I get it because everybody's wondering about what could happen with the all-star player possibly coming to the Knicks. Uh, but that's just the way that it is right now. But I don't think he's going to be too upset um, once those uh, paychecks come in. Not at all. Here's my thought on it. Why would you trade an up-and-coming 22-year-old stud who's probably going to be an all-star in about a year or two for somebody who's a little bit older, he's smaller, and he doesn't fit as well with the team? Why would you do that? That's a very good question. And, you know, the one thing that came out of this, too, that I didn't realize was that I didn't think Utah was interested in RJ because... They, you didn't think they probably was available. Well, I didn't think it was available. Well, even in the trade talks, I didn't think that they wanted him necessarily because he was up for a contract extension. And I think Utah is trying to keep their, their sheet clean right now. If they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell, I think they're going to try to dump and just try to get picks and, you know, get all the money off their cap that they can. And I didn't think they'd want him, but in all the reports about, you know, this deal were that, Utah definitely did want him, but the Knicks decided to say, Hugh, we have a deadline now. Monday night is the deadline. You either have to agree to a, a trade with Donovan Mitchell or we are going to sign RJ to an extension. And when they still couldn't work out a deal, they signed him to the extension. So now Utah is probably going to want even more picks than before because they're not going to be getting RJ in the deal plus it's trickier now. It's not impossible, but it's trickier because of if they include RJ because of the the poison pill uh, that's involved with his deal. And there's other contracts that they have as well that they could use. But you would think in a hypothetical Donovan Mitchell trade, now they would have to get back up there and include even more picks, more unprotected picks. Right. And I, you know, obviously reading the article from Woj, 
There was obviously interest in Obi Toppin. Quentin Grimes was in there. I think Shams mentioned Emmanuel quickly in one of them. So, like, I think Danny Ainge is holding strong here. But again, I'm just thinking from the Nets, the, the, the Nets, the Knicks perspective. It's just like, why? Because Donovan's a quote unquote big name. Like, think about the fit from this perspective and the defense that we've already talked about. Because when I was talking about Donovan Mitchell coming to the Knicks, I not once thought about R.J. Barrett. Because why would you give up someone that you literally drafted like four years ago that is an up-and-coming stud who's probably going to be, again, an all-star in about a year or two? Hell, maybe he's an all-star this year. You don't know. But the thing is, like, I get it from the Jazz's perspective because, oh, the Jazz could get a franchise player back in this. We don't know what R.J. Barrett's ceiling is yet. He's 22 years old, for damn sake. Like, I don't like it. I don't like the, the thinking if that's what New York is, is dangling around. I just don't see how getting Donovan Mitchell back and, and you know sending away your younger pieces, especially one who's a cornerstone away, is the right move. I don't think they're going to do that. But at the same time, it's just like hearing that and, and, and reading about that. I'm just like so perturbed and confused as to why they would do that. They're starstruck. They're the Knicks. They want to believe that stars. Who says R.J. Com- Barrett can't be that guy, though? Well, I'm just saying that when you, know, you that, look that's, at. That's my. That, that's my and I agree with that. Yeah. But I think when they look at who's already been an all-star, who is the bigger name in the league right now, that. You know, the Knicks want to prove that they can get a star player there. They want to prove to everybody that that's happening. That they and then can the get domino other, effect comes. And then the domino effect, they get other star players and whatnot. But I agree with you when it comes to the fit, because I think one of the challenging things with, you know, getting Donovan Mitchell and that team, if they get him, is the fit. Because that backcourt, they've already you know invested over $100 million in four years with Jalen Brunson. And then to put another dynamic, special, offensive talent in the backcourt, I get. But a guy that's smaller does not play defense that well. And both of them are going to be a little bit defensively challenged against bigger players. I think that's going to be rough. And your depth takes a hit. Right. And the the Knicks don't have enough players in the front court to make up for the lack of defense on the perimeter that those two are going to provide. I mean, I this agree. is not like a situation like with Cleveland. You can say, they go, well, maybe, maybe Cleveland's backcourt isn't good. Look who's in the frontcourt. Guess mm-hmm. what? They can make up for those mistakes, yep. you know, but you can't do that with where the Knicks are at right now. So I agree with you. I mean, they, they've just been head over heels on getting Donovan Mitchell, and you have to sit there and go, is that really the best fit or the best use of assets? Uh, considering that we've already invested in Brunson and other players that are already on our team. So we'll see where this goes now. I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the word on the street, if you want to believe it, is that the Jazz want at least four unprotected picks. I think they want more picks than that, but they at least want four unprotected. <laughs> it just all goes back to the Rodrigo Bear thing. As every time we're talking about this trade value thing, it always it's just all going back to the Rubico Bear move. It's just so those so damn funny. Timberwolves, they screwed it up for everybody. They screwed it up for everybody. Well, by the way, so like you said, the poison pill provision is there. So if you want to trade Barrett, here's the quick and easy on this, the way that they do it, and we have it outlined on basketballnews.com. The outgoing salary would be a salary this year, which is $10.9 million. But the incoming salary to the team would be $26.2 million. The reason for that is because you have to count this coming year plus the four years on the new deal, and you have to average it out. So when you average it out over those five years, it's $26.2 million. So that makes it tricky. You most likely have to have a third team. That's where the Lakers could get involved because – you know, they've been talking with Utah about a possible deal with uh, Russell Westbrook. So we'll see where this goes. But it's, I mean, it's not impossible for the Jazz and the Knicks to do a deal. It's just the Knicks, I think, would have to give up more first-round picks than they really want to give up. I think I read somewhere, and I might be mistaken, but I thought it came from Mark Stein that Tom Thibodeau values Quentin Grimes more than R.J. Barrett. Yes, you did read That's that correctly, which is interesting nuts. to me. 
And I'm a huge advocate for Quentin Grimes. And I like Obi Toppin, too. I like the young cats they got there. I do. But, again, with R.J. Barrett, number three overall pick, got his second contract now, could be a potential all-star, made amazing strides last year, year by year, just, you know, gradually developing. And who knows how far that goes. But isn't that a nice thing to see, too, though? is when you have your own talent that you drafted and you see the progression, you see of improve and you see Same with Quinn. And, and you see with, your fan base get invested in those guys. Yep. So th- that's why it it gets to be dangerous sometimes when you see that and then you're just like, "Oh, well, we're just grooming this guy and then we're going to move him for an all-star." Like, I understand that that's a move that's going to help you win, but there is something to hey, he's one of our guys. And, and I think that's the way they like the Celtics as a perfect example I've thought about with some of their guys, especially like Jalen Brown. Like, why do we have to move this guy? Like, I get it basketball-wise and this and that, but, you know, he's one of our guys. And you got to the finals with your core. You never traded Marcus Smart. You know, like, you kept around all your young guys. What, it's exception, tough. You know, it like can one. be very tough when it comes to building a team and keeping your fan base engaged and all these different things. And you want to, you just want to do it the right way. So heavy by the way, right now. So like I get, you you know, like packaging the other them, but they need, dude, they need wings. So like trading away, like one of your three wings you have on the roster just makes absolutely zero sense. And I'm refer, I'm referring to RJ by the way. Well, I mean, we'll see what they do here. um, And what kind of, Domino the effect this could have on Russell Westbrook and a possible move from the Lakers, which, hey, man, I mean, why do the Lakers need to trade him? Because him and Pat Bev are, you know, BFFs now. You know, they're um, they are. they're going to go they're going to go camping and have some s'mores and uh, everything's going to be great as they sing Kumbaya and then report to camp. Pat Bev trick, y'all. Best quote of all time. And now they're on the same team. It's just it's just it's outstanding. I love it. But I do like I do like the pickup from the Lakers. Like honestly, like from a roster standpoint, I think that's great. I think it's good to have a veteran in the room too. You know, help along some of the young guys like like Austin Reeves and you know like whoever whoever else makes the team um, out of camp, obviously. But yeah, that dynamic is interesting. We talked about it a little bit though, because you said it, you saw it coming. You did. You saw it coming, and and you called your shot. I did, and. I think we all know I'm not the biggest Patrick Beverly fan, okay? <laughs> and, and here's the reason why, okay? It's because I get it that there's just a multitude of trash talking in the NBA. Rah, rah, fine. rah. It works. That's fine. But the thing is, to me, it's just like the more trash talk you do, the better your game better be to back that up. And with Pat, I, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't equal out. But that's part of what his game is, too. It's trying to get under somebody's skin. There's a psychological effect to his game and different things like that. So so I get it. You know, that's what he's going to do. But that being said, and I'm not the biggest fan of his, I think that was a smart trade by the Lakers because he does fit what they need when it comes to somebody that will pressure the ball, will play defense, can hit open threes, doesn't need the ball. And so, you know, that's going to be LeBron and other playmakers on that team. And also I think he holds other people accountable because he plays hard every night. And that's something you did not see from the Lakers last year. And I think that's something that he is going to bring to the table. He does it everywhere he goes and that's what they need. I mean, and he's somebody that is like, I've been in the league for a while and I, and I'm okay with yelling at superstars. I'm okay with doing whatever. That's what Darvin Ham is doing. He wants to hold everybody accountable on that team as a new head coach. And I think that's something that he wants Pat to do. And Pat is more than happy to do that as well. But seeing him and Russell Westbrook in a backcourt together, and there's talk that like Darvin Ham has already thought up different lineups where they'd be playing together. I don't know about that, man. I don't know about it. But I, 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 I think a lot of people are wondering if like, well, the Lakers are just saying this, that they're getting ready to keep with Russell Westbrook because – they don't want to lose any more leverage on him. They want to try to keep his value as high as possible. And I think the Lakers are being sincere that they are seriously thinking about keep, keeping Russell Westbrook for this coming season, or at least at the beginning of the season. 
very similar to what happened with John Wall, very similar to what happened with, you know, J.R. Smith back in the day. Like, there have been, like, amicable agreements like this. So nothing nothing out of the ordinary. But here, here's a little nugget for you here, Bri, on Pat Bev that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. So for four straight seasons, this is according to Basketball Reference, for four straight seasons, Pat Bev has shot 42% or above from the corner. Now, the last two seasons, he's set his career highs in both. So he shot 47.3% from the corner three last year in Minnesota, and with the Clippers the year before, 46.3%. That's big. That's big, especially for someone like LeBron who drives and kicks, you know, finding guys on the outside, inside-outside game. So that's, like so, like you said, someone that has very much improved um, from the perimeter, but from the corners in particular, very, very solid. He's instantly the best shooter on the Lakers right now. Which is sad, but yes. That is, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I I still Thought think there's, a, Screw it. there's still a decent chance that I think Russ gets traded. It's just what uh, would be coming back. Because there's been so much hype and talk about this Pacers deal, you know, for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. And it sounds like, the only way the Pacers would be interested in doing that is if they get two unprotected first-round picks. And I think while the Lakers are fine with trading both those picks for in a package like that, I do not think they want both of them unprotected. And I think that's what's holding that up. So they sit there and go, okay, well, we could do a deal with Utah, or we could do a three-way that includes the Knicks. Here's the thing, too, that I would, I would look at. In a deal with Indy, and I think that that is the deal I think they want to do. I've heard they're really, really high on Turner, and they would love to have him. We all know that um, Buddy Heald is one of the GM's former clients, one of Polinka's former clients, and they've wanted Buddy for, for a while now. But if you do those deals, you will not have cap space next year. As it sits right now, the Lakers – will have, what, $30, $35 million worth of cap space next year so they could go big game hunting again for the most part. They do that deal, they're not going to be able to do it. Heald's got one more year left on his deal. Turner, you would think you would want to re-sign him, maybe get that done. If they do a deal with Utah, they can get back pieces that I don't think would be as enticing and say Bogdanovich, Beasley, or whatever, but they are shooters, they're wing players, and they have contracts that expire next year. So that can help keep their sheet clean. There's been talk about a three-way that they would get Bogdanovich and they would get Evan Fournier. I don't know if they would be that high on that because with Fournier, Fournier is making $18 million next year. And then it, it's really not that bad if you think about it. But I don't think that I think they want as much cap space as they can for next season possible. Sure. but and also when a deal with in a theoretical deal with utah i don't think they want to give up both picks i think they'd only give up one pick mm. I, I don't even think they would do the second pick with um protections on it i think they would only want to give up one in that so it's this big game of you know what's going to happen here what's going to happen there like everybody expects the knicks and the the jazz to re-engage on a mitchell trade here in like another week or something so We'll see. But in the meantime, I think the Lakers are sitting going, hey, you know what? If we keep Russ and we've got this team that we have and Russ's you know, money comes off the books next year, so be it. Yeah. And, and we get to keep our picks in that snare because that's, that's a prize for them. That's something that they're trying to learn their lesson from and not just give up picks here, there, and everywhere. Everybody talks about how much they gave up in the Anthony Davis trade, which they gave up a lot. But you have to remember, too, what did they do the following year? They gave up a pick when they um, got. Um, I can't even think of his uh, name now. The the point guard, Dennis Schroeder. Yes, Schroeder. I'm <laughs> going nuts here, but I mean, they gave up a first round pick in that deal. Yeah, as well. I mean, they've they they gave up a first round pick and they trade for Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think they would like to have those back. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know. FYI, so, one, one last thing. When it comes to this Pat Bev deal that they did with Taylor Horton Tucker. They finally got rid of Taylor Horton Tucker, they, by the way. 
My God. <laughs> Good for the Jazz. And by the way, I so. hate bringing up, and a lot of people brought this up, like, I've always been like this too. Like, just think of what they could have done with that money that they gave him because they could have had Alex uh, Caruso. Caruso. Oh, yeah, my God. Caruso spiel. They, they could have traded uh, THT for Lowry a couple of years ago at the trade deadline, but they didn't do it. So now they trade him for Patrick Beverly. I'm, I, I really thought it was going to take like a second round pick to get off of him because, you know, he has a player option for next year of like $11 million. And I didn't mm-hmm. think the Jazz would want to do that because I, I hope he plays better. I think he's going to be better once he gets out of LA and he's in a different situation. But I think he's going to opt in. I thought it would take at least a, a second round pick to get off that money. And I was surprised that that deal was straight up. Well, and Stan, Stanley Johnson was included as well, which sure. I like Stanley. I know there's some Laker fans like, oh, my God, we gave up one wing that we had. I'm like, man, nobody wanted Stanley Johnson last year except for the Lakers. They got him off the scrap heap. He played well. Good for him. And I hope he plays well again this year and gets a better contract. I think he's a solid player, but it's not the end of the world. You trade Stanley Johnson. Right. Right. Especially when you had. I mean, to fill a need, you're going to have to give up something. So, like, that's just. That's the nature of the biz. There was you know, already talk that he was not going to make the rotation. No. So, you know, I mean, they're going to play all these other guys that they got in the offseason. Yeah. Say what you will about that, but that seemed like it was going to be the plan. And I don't think THD was going to be in the rotation either. Right. That It had been tough for him to crack it. Absolutely. And Especially, like you know, you bring in Troy Brown Jr. You have Lonnie Walker there now. Yeah, it'd have been tough. And I think, I hope he's one of these situations where it was just a bad fit for him. There was a lot of pressure there with different things, and he can go somewhere else and his game can flourish. I mean, he's still got a lot of things to work on, but I. He's young, too. He's like 23 or something. Right. He's very, very young. That's why some people are like, I don't get get why championship teams don't like young talent. He's 21 years old. But people are like, oh, well, Lakers are giving up on him already. I'm like, hey, they, they're in a little bit of a win-now win mode, and they already know what he is on their team. They know that fit. Because it's not like it's been one year that this has happened. It's been a couple of seasons. Um, plus, remember, at the beginning of last season, he broke his wrist. And that really put him behind the eight ball. He missed, like, the first six weeks of the season. I don't think his hand was probably right for most of the year anyway, coming off yeah. that. So, good for him. Go to Utah. He'll get plenty of playing time, especially if they – like scrap half the team and you'll get a chance to hopefully expand his game. Agreed. Agreed. Another piece of news that hit while I was on the road to Carolina, an unfortunate one with Chet Holmgren. He's down for the rest of the season. A Liz Franck injury got the surgery a few days ago. So we know that one player and one promising rookie will not be suiting up this season in the NBA for 2022-23. Sucks. Always hate seeing that. Um, and that just kind of kills my my pipe dream of the Thunder making it to the play-in this year. A lot of comparisons, uh, thinking about, you know, maybe this is the David Robinson to Victor Wembanyama's uh, Tim Duncan or something like that. I think I had a couple people text me that. Um, but not even thinking from that lens. It just sucks to see Chet go down, like a little freak accident when LeBron's driving on him, his ankle turns or whatever the hell it is. And, uh, you know, Poof, he's out for the year. Um, so now, you know, we'll have different rookie of the year odds. Alex Kennedy did an article for basketballnews.com on that. Um, you know, Paolo's up there, three to two. Keegan Murray, five to one. Jaden Ivey, 11 to two. I really like that one. Uh, Jabari Smith, obviously, in Houston, eight to one. Benedict Matherin of the Pacers at nine to one. Jalen Williams, who is on the Thunder, ironically, at 25 to one. And then the odds start to drop off out of there. But uh, your reaction to the Chet news obviously sucks. It absolutely sucks. And, I mean, we already saw some of the chemistry that he had with Josh Giddy during Summer League, and I was looking forward to seeing more of that. Um, I was a little surprised that they said he's just going to be out for the entire season right off the bat, but it's probably the smart thing to do. There's no point in bringing him back if it's going to be like in February or March. Uh, you know, I, I was looking forward to seeing what the Thunder were going to do this season with some of the young guys and then getting him as part of this team. I'm still curious to see what they're going to do, but I mean, it, it felt like they were really taking the next step, 
you know, by getting him. So, and I'm sure that Shea's not too thrilled with that, or Lou Dort, who just signed his big deal. Right, because now... All right, it's time to win. Time to win, guys. Right, and then they might be like, well, it's time to maybe... um, Oh, I think you got a sore knee again. You can't play the final 20 games of the season, which at some point that gets old. I mean... That does get old. That's going to get really, really old. So, um, you know, hopefully we see him come back, you know, next year and stronger and better than ever. I mean, hey, we did this with Joel Embiid. We did this with uh, Blake Griffin. It's not the first time. It's not going to be the last time it's happened. I wonder if this is going to cause some teams to say, um, yeah, you can play in summer league, but these pro-am games, nah, no. I was actually going to, that was my next point, because I'm just going to switch over to Eurobasket. We've had a number of guys go down there. Got Danilo Gallinari ended up tearing a meniscus or something like that. Luka Doncic twisted his ankle. You know, we've gotten some of these injuries happening overseas to where it's like, all right, what else, what are you like? What are you going to do? You're going to tell them they can't play basketball? Like that, that's the other thing. Like a lot of this is freak injuries. A lot of this is conversation around how long the season is for the NBA. Cause as we said, training camps about to start here in about, you know, about a month if we're, we're being Frank. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these guys are still over in FIBA World Cup in the qualifiers and the, the Euro basket and whatnot. So that stuff's still going on. And you got guys playing at Pro-Ams, Rico Hines. You got them over uh, at Jamal Crawford's. You know, that you got them over at all of these different places just, you know, strutting their stuff. But they're just looking to get a run in. You know, they're not looking to play as hard as they possibly can. But injuries happen, you know. So so what is the, the solution to that? I don't know what it is. Um, it sucks because, again, Gallo, huge signing for the Celtics. Luckily, there's nothing, you know, huge that got damaged other than the meniscus. So he will be able to play. Um, but, you know, you see a freak injury or something to, like, Luka Doncic or you see Chet Holmgren in the program, you know, turning his ankle. Wherever these guys are in the world, injuries are going to happen. It's unfortunate. But I just don't know what your solution is. I don't think you can hold guys hostage and say, ah, you can't do that. We're going to put that in your contract. You can't do that. You can't do this. Like, I feel like that's crossing a line. It probably is. I think it's going to be tougher to stop players from being a part of like the European League or, you know, their country's championships. I think that one, that's perfectly fine. I think when it comes to some of the younger guys participating in pro-ams, I think that's where teams might frown a lot more and discourage guys to do that. And I get it. That's cool to be able to go to like these, these, you know, smaller gyms, these smaller areas and be able to play in front of those crowds. But at the same time, I, there's going to be some teams that say, let's, you know, do pros and cons here and let's not do that. But you know, they're playing in summer league, go play for your country um, in whatever competition. I mean, look at, look at Giannis. I mean, he's going to be playing over there like until a week before camp. Yep. It's Something crazy. Like and we yeah. had, we've already had Serbia versus Slovenia. I'm pretty sure we had Greece versus Serbia. You're like, it's crazy that the kind of matchups we're getting out there right now. Giannis is playing Jokic and they're going at it. Yep. It's awesome. It's great. Now, by the way, have you heard the stories? I mean, I hope Luca is fine with the sprained ankle, but there's stories that he's smoking and drinking Cokes over there. In other words, living the he European looks like lifestyle. He looks, like, he looks like he's he looks like he's in great shape, though. It looks he like did. he's taking the shape in, in you know in he, he looks like he's taking the staying in shape very very you know seriously. We cut out but some. Hey, of the maybe sweets. he wants to smoke a squally. He wants to have a really a quick coke. And you know yeah, what it is. He's, well, he's probably, I mean, probably playing cards. He's smoking a stogie. Whatever you got to do. Wasn't the story that like he would go back there and like his family would cook for him, you know, and over the summer and he just Can you imagine like, this dude just ripping a heater going on the cr- the, the court and then just going triple double like dude, it's nothing. Like it's hilarious. Um to just picture it. Do you not know the stories about Vladi Divok who would check out of a game and like go in the tunnel and pop out a heater real quick? <laughs> Come on, that dude used to smoke a pack like during a game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm watching I'm watching the 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 Lakers series Legacy on Hulu and they just got to they're in episode four and they just drafted Vladi Divok, and Magic is like, this guy's smoking all the time. You can't be doing that, man. You're an athlete. You got to be running. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that that well, there's happens. Something, there's something the NBA can probably discourage. Right. I mean, it used to happen in baseball all or the time, enforce. too. 
Dude, and baseball guys used to like sit there in the dugout, you know, pop one out. But like they discourage that now. There's not there's not as many professional athletes, I think, that smoke. And I'm not saying Luca does it all the time. But you know what? It's like, you know, when in Rome, like when you're back home in Europe, it was like, hey, you know what? I, I want to enjoy a Coke and, you know, um, you know light one up. <laughs> oh, another piece of injury news, too, that sucks. Gary Harris also tore his meniscus. Um and I think that one's a little more serious than than Danilo's, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but dude, like it just sucks seeing all these injuries happen like at this point, like especially because again, training camp's about to start. But there are still guys that are unsigned, as I mentioned in the opener. Um, we already talked about one of them, but I'm just gonna go ahead and list them, and we can, you know, pick and choose the guys that you know think we can, you know, see making an impact somewhere when they do get signed. But uh, the 10 that Alex Kennedy listed, again, another Alex Kennedy list. Uh, how about the big man getting into work here the last week? Colin Sexton, restricted. Miles Bridges, restricted. Montrez Harrell brought him up earlier. He's unrestricted. Dennis Schroeder, unrestricted. Hassan Whiteside, unrestricted. Carmelo Anthony, who I've seen already has some buzz going around him, uh, is unrestricted. Demarcus Cousins, unrestricted. Jeremy Lamb, unrestricted. Tristan Thompson, unrestricted. And Andre Iguodala, unrestricted. Anybody popping out there to you that could make an impact? I mean, I'm going to say the obvious. I think Melo is in there. Um, you know, Colin Sexton, I'm still acting as if he's going to be a Cav and he's just going to take that qualifying offer. We've been over this over and over again. Um, neither side is budging and we're getting close to, you know, training camp. So I think that, you know, that's just obviously how it's going to go. Um, but as far as guys that we don't know where they're going to go, I think uh, Mello's the guy that sticks out for me, um, just especially because he can still score the ball, rebound, shoot the three, and he's good at you know the the jab step, and, and and he knows he knows his role now, and I think that that's important um, for a guy you know his age and and with his experience. Well, I I totally agree with you when it comes to Sexton and his situation and Miles Bridges. You know, I, I, who knows I have no idea which that. way that's going to go. You know, that's right. just got to go through. I mean, this is, you know, that's a legal sure matter. It's, it's, it's who a knows? legal matter and, you know, awful, awful, you know, details out of that. And I have no idea. Could care less where he ends up. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Colin, I agree. And then, like I said, Mello is my guy. Well, when I look at the other guys, uh, Harold is the one that I would look at because he still puts up pretty big numbers, especially during the regular season. And now that his legal situation has gotten taken care of, and that's been minimized, like you said earlier, that I think there's going to be a team that, that probably jumps on him fairly quickly. Um, you look at last year, 13.6 rebounds, two assists, 23 minutes a game, shot 64.5% from the field. You know, there's going to be teams that, that could use that. You know, um, as for Mello, I think there are a couple teams that are interested in him. And like you said, he's he's not somebody that's going to play defense. He knows who he is. He's going to play, you know, 15 minutes a game. He's still a really good shooter. I mean, there were moments last year where he was lighting it up for the Lakers and people are going crazy. There's already been some talk that maybe the Celtics would be interested in him, depending on Gallinari and his injury. Um, I wonder if maybe the Knicks would be interested in him as like a kind of a, a nice story coming home story. Um I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I could see a number of contenders that would be interested in having a guy that can be a wing guy that can hit shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those aren't easy to find. You know? Right. I don't think he's going to be in L.A. I mean, the Lakers have two roster spots open right now. And I think, you know, that way they can do a two for one trade for Russ, theoretically. But I think they want to go into camp with an open spot. And I don't think they want to fill it. I think they want to keep that to the trade deadline. Mm. How, how here let me ask you this i mean not to stick onto the russell westbrook thing because we talk about it ad nauseum this entire summer uh but what did you think about the genie bust stuff that was pretty funny and she i i like that um they had to go back and like clarify the comment yeah, can you run it back for the audience in case they don't know what we're talking about so it was it was sam amick that talked to her right I believe from the so. athletic. Yeah. So yes. basically he, he made this comment about Russ and she goes, Oh, Russell Westbrook was our best player last season. And then Sam later didn't ask a follow-up. He kind of slipped his mind. And when he heard it back, it was just like, 
Who? And he reached out to her again. He's like, so you thought Russ was your best player last year? She goes, let me clarify that. I think Russ was our most consistent player last year because <laughs> he played in 78 of 82 games. <laughs> and I was like, that's a hell of a job on Sam for going back and clarifying that because a lot of people that would have just ran with the headline. Jeannie right. Buss says Russell Westbrook, Lakers best player last season. I mean, people would have been going crazy. Journalism. Yeah, I love it. I, I saw that and I was like, thank you, Sam. <laughs> you you deserve a gold star for that. So, uh, so that was quite the comment from from uh, Jeannie. And and part of the crux of that whole conversation too was she's trying to be more transparent and trying yeah. to be more, you know, here's where we're really at. And she flat out said, like, I have no idea how good we're going to be next year. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. And you know, I think they're she's trying to say the right thing. I think everybody with the organization is, and they're just prepared to go in a variety of directions, depending on what comes up. It's just, they're trying to learn their lesson from past years when it comes to trades and assets and whatnot. And one last thing about this, I mentioned like they're trying to save all their cap space for next year. Okay, great. But then if you go out and you spend that cap space on one guy and once again, surround that team with three-star players and a bunch of minimum salary guys, to me, that's ridiculous. Like, you yeah. use that cap space, and you get three good role players that also are on tradable contracts. Right. That's where we're at in the NBA. That's what you're supposed to do now. But they haven't learned that lesson yet. Well, they actually did. They learned it one year. The year they won the championship. I'm I'm so excited. For, whenever this Russ saga comes to an end, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be it's gonna happen when I am not around. Like I'm gonna be at a. I'm I've got a couple concerts I'm going to coming up here. It's sure. gonna be. It's, by the way, like the other night, the, the R.J. Barrett thing happened like at midnight East Coast time. I get up at five o'clock in the morning for my regular job, so like I missed it. Like oh, I swear to God, goodness. I go to bed and like. 20 minutes later, stuff happens. <laughs> Just how it always got. It's how it's got to go. It's crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. What do you think about the LeBron article that came out with Sports Illustrated? It's obviously 20-year anniversary since the Chosen One cover. And, um, you know, it was a really, really well-written, um, put-together piece, um, I thought. That it was, you know, a tremendous job uh, of detail and bringing together the the family and whatnot. I thought that was really cool. Shout out to Chris Ballard for doing a great job. Um, but the details with Bronny and Bryce and monitoring future drafts. I, I know that you feel a certain way about this. Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, we've all heard the talk that he really wants to play with Bronny, and now he's talking about playing with his younger son Bryce as well. And by the way, there's 14 a, years old, six, six, by the way. Yeah. And there's already some talk and who knows how good he's going to be and who knows how good Bronny's going to be. Quite honestly, there's some that believe that Bryce is the better prospect than Bronny. Um, take that for what you will. I hate, Whatever. by the way, I, I do hate talking about other people's kids, but this is literally a, a cover story that just came out and LeBron talked about. Him. Yes. So, and I'm not big on it either because like, I think it's, go on a total tangent i think it gets ridiculous when you're scouting 12 and 13 year olds and stuff like he, that lebron even said that in the article oh, he like apparently like he had just they had just won the championship in cleveland in 2016 and i guess Bronny already had a verbal uh to like a huge school when he was 11 right it's like let kids be kids you know yeah. but you know we we all know lebron wants to play with his kids which is which is great and I think he's open to if he has to go someplace else to play with him, then so be it. You know, he's going to be near the end of his career. Who knows how long he's going to play? I mean, he's going, you know, he, he's a robot, you know, and he's still playing at an extremely high level. Um, but the quote that he had in there that you're talking about was, I'd definitely be looking at who got first round picks in 2020, 24, 25, things of that nature, 26, 27. I pay attention to that kind of stuff. I know a team that has a draft pick in one of those years. Actually, in a couple of those years, the Los Angeles Lakers. And when it comes to that 27 pick, that's one of the picks you don't care about. And you've said, trade it away so we can get help now. 
they have their pick in 2025 as well. He doesn't care about those picks. It's it's so interesting. That we, might we, that might be a swap. I or can't remember what year they have swaps or whatever, but I know they own 27 because they've been shopping it. And same with 2029. And all along, it's like, LeBron doesn't care about picks. You trade them now. We got to win now. We got to get guys now. Well, you're paying attention to those picks because you want someone to use those picks to draft your kids so you can play with them. We've been we've been over this, but it's it's just amazing to think about the struggle of your mind between okay, we can get LeBron, but should we use this pick this high on this prospect? And for how long are we going to get LeBron? And what does he have it's left? Crazy to think about, isn't it? It is. Some of the you know, but here's one of the reasons why. Okay. You could talk about how good of a player is LeBron and how much is it going to help us win. Here's the other thing to look at. How many seats can we sell and how much merchandise can we sell by having LeBron James on our team? Yeah. Do you have to look at the business end of it? And that's another economic impact. People talked about, you know, there was some, I mentioned this before about Bill Blaschke from the LA times. He's an extremely good writer and he's been out there and he knows the pulse of that city as well as anybody. But you know, he had this thing about, Time to trade LeBron. This team's not going anywhere. They're not doing that because the economic impact they would have on that team. And, and by the way, what's going to happen this year that they're talking about and they're building up? If he stays healthy, he is going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record for the most score, points scored in NBA history. Do you think they want him to do that in a Laker uniform? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you think they want him to sell jerseys? Well, Yeah. Do you think the Lakers are excited about having new jerseys? One that LeBron is already stoked about as well because he's retweeted it and put it on Instagram. You think they want to sell some of those with a number six on it? Hell yeah, they do. Got to think of it from the marketing perspective. It's crazy. I mean, they want to win right now, obviously, and he's still playing at an extremely high level, but there is a marketing and economic part of all of this as well. And the story of, him still playing at this advanced age. He's talking yeah. about his late stage career, by the way. And like, he's talking like he's going to be still playing five, six more years. It's nuts. Is he on TB12? Is he training with Tom Brady? He might be, man. I mean, what is he, 38 now? Like, yeah. what, if this, what if this dude goes till he's 45? That would be just one of the more remarkable things Insane. Because what, what if his age 45 season, he, he still averages like 18, six what? and six or something? Unbelievable. I mean, he's going into what his 21st year, correct? Um, he's drafted in 03, so this should be year 20, I think. This is year 20, maybe year 19, maybe. Uh, yeah, no, year 20, I believe. Year 20. Freaking nuts, bro. It's freaking nuts. Crazy, it's crazy. incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going into season 19. So I was a little ahead of myself there, but. Until he gets here 20, he's going to have all kinds of different logos and all kinds of good stuff. Well, Kareem lasted 20. That's stupid. That he's, last year, Kareem was... If he gets, if he gets up nuts. to 45 or something, that's just nuts. I, that, I'll I mean, be 35 or 36 by that point. But, I mean, it's amazing just the what he has done to preserve his body. Um, the advances in technology, the amount of money that he spends. I mean, what does he spend? Like $2 million a year on his body? Um, and everything that goes in it because it's the training, it's the advances in technology, the stretching, the dieting, the nutrition, yep. Um, yep. and everything's down to a science. And it he is. has been so vigilant about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, Bri, I think that's enough for this week's episode. Everybody. Wait, I think you have one more thing you want to talk about that you're excited about. What? It's what, not basketball related. Yeah. My Buckeyes. My Buckeyes opening up against the Irish. Oh, we don't need to talk about that. 17 and a half point favorites at the shoe. Marcus Freeman, bring it on. Bring everybody. You're already talking that S last year. Now you're going to know where it comes from. You're not, we're not giving you bullet board material. Vegas is giving you bullet board material. He's going to use it as bulletin board material because you he, can, hey, he try, to use, try to use that as motivation. Like Baker tries to use everything like motivation because that's another thing coming up. <laughs> Not well, this Sunday, but a Sunday from now. Oh, I will, man. I will tell you this, too, because I am a graduate of UCF. 
Mm-hmm. Go Knights. We open yep. our season Thursday night. All right. Not exactly against those. Oh, I opened my season up too. My zips. Yeah. My zips open up uh, against a a very respected college, by the way, um, in not D1. <laughs> okay. Because uh, same with UCF. UCF is playing South Carolina Saint, State. St. Francis of Pennsylvania. We are playing them mm. Thursday evening at 6 p.m. But my my second team that I support in college football is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Is it really? Yes, it is. <laughs> Bring on your Irish, please. Please. We don't talk shit. That's the thing. Our team does not talk shit. Our fans talk shit because they're oh, Of course they do. <laughs> no, no. It, yeah, honestly, Brian, if you want me to liken Buckeye fans, they are just like Yankee fans. Like, that's, that's what Buckeye fans are very, very of the same ilk. Yeah. If you will. Um, but our team just keeps reloading. It keeps refreshing. Our coaching staff is phenomenal. We brought in a defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State who had the eighth best defense in the country last year. We are all about the smoke. We're going buck nuts. Labor Day weekend. Fighting Irish. Come get this whoop ass. Are you guys ranked second? Uh, I think they're number two. Yeah. Because I think it's uh, Bama's always on. The thing that I found wild is like they're two, Notre Dame's five. And the spread is 17 and a half. Well, it's just, it, it, it's crazy how college football works. I'll just say that. Right. And you've got to remember the way that gambling works. It's where you can get the most amount of action on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, when I was in your state, I was dropping down some bets. So. Nice. <laughs> uh, actually, I wasn't in your state. I was in West Virginia on the way back. Oh, you could do it there too, buddy. It. You can't do it from your phone in Carolina. You can do it from your phone in West Virginia. So yes. everybody keep that one in mind real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad, man, if I lived in a state like that, I'd be in trouble. I know, I know. <laughs> All right, now that we got that out of the way, that will wrap up Keep It at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, you can find us on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Of course, brought to you by the basketballnews.com podcast network. But other great ones for you to listen to, like the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the rematch with Aton Thomas, the follow-through with Clips and Drew, We've got the Rex Chapman show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins, and of course the Alex Kennedy podcast as well. So make sure that you hit the subscribe, rate, review buttons. Leave us a comment. Please interact with us. You want to see me in the handlebar mustache? It's the only way you can do it. But other than that, if we are done here, then I will be texting Brian in a short few days about the Buckeyes putting that beat down on them fighting Irish. Until next episode, see ya!